and everybody says amen. So this is a series... Um, that we actually put on repeat every couple of years um, because I think there's a lot of misinformation as it relates to the Holy Spirit. And so um, if you've been a part of North Park for a while, this is not new information. It's more of a refresher course for you. Um, And if you know me very well, you know that I love a good dad joke. I I love to tell a good joke. I've got one joke on the Holy Spirit, so I reserved it for today. So you're in for a treat, okay? And And if you've been around, you've heard me tell this joke. It's my favorite joke. So you ready? This is a good one. You might want to get your pen because you want to write this down. This is good stuff. Uh, there was a little boy um, who followed this preacher around. And, and this was a preacher who would preach in these open-air tabernacles. You know, kind of these, 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 these open-air pavilions. And it was a very demonstrative evangelist. And, and everywhere he would go, he was really famous for this one thing that would happen. He would say these words. He would say, let the Spirit of God fill this place. He wouldn't say it like that. Let me show you how he would really say it. He'd say, let the Spirit of God fill this place. And at that time, the little boy had a dove, because in the Bible, the dove is synonymous with the Holy Spirit. And he had this dove that he carried with him in this little cage. And he would release the cage. And when the, when the pastor would say that, when the evangelist would say that, the dove would just flutter around. And it would just be this demonstrative display of the Holy Spirit. And the place would go crazy. He was kind of known for this dove. Well, he gets to this one particular place. And he does his famous line, let the Spirit of God... Feel this place. Do that with me. It'll make you feel. It's really therapeutic. Just do that with me. Everybody, come on, do it, right? Let the Spirit of God. (laughs) Somebody's going to do that all day long. So, wives, you are welcome, okay? That's going to be great. But something happened in that moment. There was no Holy Spirit, right? There was no dove. There was the, 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 the bird didn't fly. And so the evangelist thought, maybe, he, maybe the little boy didn't hear me. Maybe he's, he's not paying attention. He didn't release the dove when he was supposed to. So, so he said it again, a little bit more emphatically this time. Let the Spirit of God fill this place. Still no dove. Finally, he says it a third time, and he looks up to the little boy as if to say, where's my dove? And he hears a little voice from the rafters say, a cat just ate the Holy Spirit. You want me to throw the cat down? (laughs) So I got no doves. I got no cats. Some of you are thinking no good jokes, but (laughs) anyway, it's my one Holy Spirit joke. Here's what we've learned over the last couple of weeks. The Holy Spirit is not a force to be harnessed. The Holy Spirit is not some emotion or some experience that you have. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And He brings every believer an opportunity for a growing and intimate relationship with Him. And I think one of the things that we struggle with is we understand what it means to have a relationship with God the Father. Like we don't have a hard time thinking about that. We, we don't really have a hard time thinking about um, a relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. But most of us don't think about having a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And until you see Him as a third person of the Trinity, you'll never seek to have an intimate personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there are some things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life that will help you more, more powerfully and more intimately walk with Jesus. 
Now last week we talked about three different baptisms. And I encourage you to go back and watch that message because for some of us that's the first time we've heard things put this way. Um, But we dove deep into scripture to help you see what we're talking about. And here are the three different baptisms that we talked about. And today we're going to focus on the third, but let me kind of give you a little review. The first one is the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now that is a type of baptism we just don't refer to it that way. And you believe in that baptism, you've just, you've never really heard it put that way. We call that salvation. We call that being born again. We call that making a a decision to be a lifelong follower of Jesus. But ultimately in scripture, it is referred to as a type of baptism. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13, this is what it says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, and some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. That's a verse of scripture that's talking about salvation being referred to as baptism into the body of Christ. Now the second baptism is what we're really familiar with. That's what we refer to most often as I was baptized, right? And that is the disciple baptizes us in water. And what that means is you said yes to Jesus and some point in the journey, most likely you made a decision to go public with that profession of faith and and a pastor or someone else baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in water. And in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says, Jesus speaking, therefore go and make disciples, lifelong followers of Jesus, right, of, of all nations. And when you do so, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit. So that's that second baptism. And, and that baptism is really about making a public profession of your faith. We shared this analogy last week that, that when I made a decision to, 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 to become a husband to my, my wife Mary Ann, we exchanged wedding rings. And, and that wedding ring became an outward and visible sign to the world that I am in a committed relationship with my bride. And, and I love what one person said, that baptism is like the wedding band of Christianity. It's this outward visible sign of what God has done in your heart. So it's you making a public profession of your faith. Um, We've had a lot of people and questions about water baptism lately. And so we're going to do a water baptism in the month of December. And so if you'd like to be baptized, if you'd like to go public with your faith, we're going to do that right here in this this room. Uh, We're going to bring in a baptism pool and we're going to go at it. And people are going to have an opportunity to go public with their faith. And you might say, well, Who should be baptized? If you haven't been baptized since you said yes to Jesus, then you should be baptized. And and some of you, um, maybe you would say, I I was baptized when I was really young. I really don't remember it. Um, Or it wasn't as meaningful to me then because now as I'm I'm an adult and I understand more and and I've made a new commitment on my relationship with Jesus, then, then if you would like to be baptized, we'd love to celebrate that with you. And when I say celebrate, we celebrate around here. Like there is no greater reason to celebrate than someone making a public profession of their faith. It's what we're all about. And so we're going to do that in December. So if you want more information about that, go by guest services today, hit the website. All that information is for you there. But today, I want to talk about that third baptism. 
Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, um, John the Baptist is talking, and he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon, he's referring to Jesus, who is greater than I am, so much greater. John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to like tie his shoes. I'm not even worthy to like pick up his shoes. Um, I, 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 I'm not worthy to be, even be his slave. He will baptize you with what? With the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there's three different types of baptisms that we see in Scripture. And that kind of leads us to this question. Um, do I have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, let's back up. Do we have to be baptized in the body of Christ? Do we have to, be, do we have to make a decision to follow Jesus? Wow, I, it's a really good idea. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want a personal relationship with Jesus, if you want to be set free from the power and the presence and the penalty of your sins, then yes, you need to be baptized in the body of Christ. You need to say yes to Jesus. You need to be saved. And you can be today. Before you even leave this place, you can make the most important decision in your life. And then some would say, well, do I need to be water baptized? Not necessarily to go to heaven. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The only thing that you need to do to be saved and experience an eternity rejoicing around the throne of God is, is to have a personal relationship with him. Say yes to him. Invite him into your life. But saying yes to Jesus in a public way, in a public profession of your faith in water baptism is a wonderful thing to celebrate and it is a wonderful way to communicate to the world what God has done in your heart and it's another way for you to follow Jesus. And so it kind of leads us to the question, do, do I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? This third baptism that we're talking about, is that, is that necessary for me to go to heaven? It's not necessary for you to go to heaven. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you the moment that you said yes to Jesus because when you said yes to Jesus, there is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But this baptism in the Holy Spirit that we're talking about is, is being endued with power. And I'm going to talk about that straight from Scripture in just a moment. But when we ask that question, do I need what it is that you're talking about today? Here's what I would say. It's like walking into battle and having a gun and asking the question, do I need ammunition in this gun? Um, no, you don't have to have it, but it's going to turn out a lot better if you do, you know. He, he said that, that, we could, that we could be endued with power. And I don't know about you, but sometimes life is hard. And sometimes it's difficult to follow Jesus. Sometimes it's difficult to do the right thing. I stood before a husband and wife last night at their, at their wedding celebration and, and performed this, this, this marriage celebration. And I said to this couple, I said, marriage is simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Just because something is simple doesn't mean that there aren't moments where it's difficult. And making a decision to follow Jesus, that's the easiest decision in the world. It's simple, but it doesn't mean it's not, it's not difficult at times. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit at work within our lives to direct us and to guide us and to comfort us and, and to give us the strength that we need to follow Him. And all throughout Scripture, we three, see this kind of three-step process. And it's repent and believe, be saved, right? And then, and then be, be water baptized. We see it all through Scripture. And then we see people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some examples from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. 
Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. First baptism. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see those three baptisms represented in that verse. And in Acts chapter 19, I, I like this verse, or this passage, it says, While Apollos, not Apollo Creek, this is not the boxer, this is the preacher. While Apollos was, that was supposed to be funny. Wow, you're a tough crowd today. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. That's important. These were believers. These were not lost people. These were not people who were far from God. These were people who had made a decision to follow Jesus. And, and Paul asks this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. He's this great apostle, great theologian. Why on earth would he ask if they had received the Holy Spirit if this wasn't something that was very important in their life? And their response was this, no, we haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then, and then Paul says, well, well, what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. So they were water baptized. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one, Jesus, who would come later. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, you got to see it. They had already made a decision to follow Jesus. They had already been water baptized. This is something together different happening in their life and then when Paul laid his hands on them the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied now some will say that this baptism in the Holy Spirit only happens for people who were there on the day of Pentecost uh, in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that there were these people gathered together in the upper room and they began to pray and, and there was a mighty rushing wind and, and this, incredible, this, this incredible demonstrative display of the Holy Spirit filled that room and it was life changing for them. And many people will say that this baptism of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about today was reserved for those people that were in the upper room or, or that were present there in that time period. But here's what you got to see. This encounter in Acts chapter 19 happened 25 years after that day of Pentecost. This was something that, that these early believers needed in their life to fulfill the mission that God had placed upon them. Acts chapter 1-8 says this, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what that's saying is, is there's a purpose for which you were created. And you can't do that in your own strength. We say all the time that we believe that God has put us here to make an impact on this city, to raise up a group of people that will pastor this city. And there's no way in the world that we are going to be able to do that in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work within our lives. And so this is something that I believe God wants us to have to help us live a victorious life and walk with a greater anointing than we ever dreamed that we could have. 
And I remember when God first started teaching me um, about what it means to to have his spirit in my life. I I remember thinking, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit in my life? I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. But here's the thing about it. The day you said yes to Jesus, the moment that you invite him to be your Lord and Savior, and you invite him to be um, in control of your life, you 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 were in that moment filled with his spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is only inside of you. So we're not saying today that there's more of the Holy Spirit that God wants to put in your life. Because I believe you already possess everything you need on the inside of you to follow Jesus. But instead of saying, how can I have more of the Holy Spirit in my life? I think there's a better question to ask. How can the Holy Spirit have more of me? See, that's really what it comes down to. It's not about how much more of God can I get in my life, but but the question is how much more of my life can I give to him? Like it's really about surrender. It's about lifting our hands um, symbolically and, and saying, God, here I am. I surrender to you. Some of you come from, from backgrounds of worship experience and exposure where you're used to people lifting their hands in worship. And so that's just kind of a second nature thing to you. That, like that's not weird to you or, or, or outside the norm. Some of you, the first time you walked into the North Park Church and, and you saw people lifting their hands, you're like, why, why is people lifting their hands? Let me tell you why we lift our hands in worship. Three reasons. First of all, the Word of God talks about lifting our hands in worship. So that's one reason. The, the, second, the second reason is when, when I was in school and, 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 and a teacher would ask a question, what would you do if you knew the answer? You lifted your hands. And it's just in my mind, it's a reminder that I know the answer. Like, I know the answer to every problem that I face. I know the answer to every problem that you will encounter. And I believe the answer is having a personal relationship with Jesus and knowing his word and how to apply it in your life. But then the third thing is, what do you do when somebody puts a gun to you? What do you do? We don't even have to talk about it. I'm just going to lift my hands. I don't even know why I'm doing it. But it's a, it's, a, it's a universal sign of what? Surrender. It's a universal sign of I give up control to you right now. You got a Glock in my back. All right. I give up control. I concede right now. Actually, I don't because I've been watching a lot of self-defense things. I, I got a plan. I can do it in my head. Don't know if I can do it in real life. Pastor shot. You'll know it didn't work. But universal sign of surrender right here. Right? And so when I lift my hands in worship, what I'm saying, what what I'm saying is, God, I surrender to you. You're a good God. And you love me. You care about me. You're walking this journey with me. Through your spirit, you're giving me peace. You're you're encouraging me. You're you're, you're guiding me. You're, You're giving me comfort. You are the comforter that abides with us. And so I surrender to you. I surrender everything to you. My plans, my hopes, my dreams, my family, my relationships, my finance, everything. God, I give it to you. I surrender to you. And when Jesus, when he left this earth and ascended to the right hand of the throne of God to intercede on your behalf, think about what he said. 
He said, I I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the very ends of the earth. Except for the fact you're leaving. Right? So how does Jesus fulfill that promise to never leave you, to never forsake you, to be with you to the ends of the earth? How is he present now in this room and in your life if he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God preparing a place for you for all eternity? How? It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You you feel God guiding you? That's the Holy Spirit. You, you, feel, you feel conviction on your heart when you kind of get into an area where you know you should not be. Like beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know you shouldn't be. You just cross the line. And there's something on the inside of you that leapt out, leapt out at you and, and reminded you of that. What was it? It was the Holy Spirit. In, in your most difficult moments of life, when everybody else felt like you should probably be hitting the, the panic and chaotic button, you didn't. Like you just had a resolve and you had a peace and you just knew it was going to be okay. How did you know that? It's the Holy Spirit. Like we need the Holy Spirit. We need him walking with us and talking with us. And, and we need him like we've never needed him before. Now, we see this pattern in the Old Testament. I love this illustration. We'll show it to you on Scripture. But, but if you, on, on, on the screen, if, if you remember back in Old Testament days, you know, Moses um, was leading the children of Israel, and everywhere that the children of Israel went, there was, there was the presence of God that they followed. And, and there, was, there, was, there was this pillar of, of, of fire by night that as long as the presence of God moved, they could see it and they followed it. And during the day, there was this cloud that they followed. Well, then they built the tabernacle. They built the temple that, that would literally be the center of God's power and God's presence. And I'm not talking about in a figurative way. Like that's where the presence of God dwelled. And when you went into the tabernacle, there were two places. There were the outer courts, which is kind of in blue. And then in the, in the white was, was the inner court. And it was called the Holy of Holies. And it was that place where the presence of God was the strongest and where it was felt. And not only was there a holy place, but then when you went in, there was like a most holy place. And there was only one way for someone to go from the outside to the inside of the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. The first thing you had to do is you had to go to the altar. That was the first thing you saw when you walked into the temple. And the altar was there where we, where we made our sacrifices, right, for the remission of sin. Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. When Jesus died on the cross, he became our eternal sacrifice, the Lamb of God who washes away the sins of the world, right? So that's what the altar was symbolic of. But then I want you to see when you go a little bit further, there was a, a basin of water. It was called a laver. And, and when they would go past the altar and they would offer their sacrifice, then, then they would go and they would, they would wash their hands and, and, and purify their hands. And, and for us, that's very symbolic of baptism, right? We, 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 we baptize someone in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and we put them in water. And it's, it's this outward visible sign of what God has done on the inside of us. But then there was a third station, and it was, it was the oil. It was this flask of oil. And, and what they would do is, is they would take this flask of oil, and they would literally pour it on their heads as, 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 as a way to purify. 
Now, now today in, in our circles, when we pray with people, oftentimes we will anoint people with oil. And, and what that means, maybe you've been to a church where they did that, and, and, and maybe they had some anointing oil, some olive oil, and they would kind of pour that on, on, on their finger and, and maybe anoint someone with oil. I, I know Marianne, since she's been sick, there's been churches that have, have sent us, you know, just pieces of cloth that people anointed with oil where churches gathered around to pray for her symbolically and sent that to us as a reminder that people were seeking the face of God for, for Marianne's healing and, and for God's provision in our life. Like we believe in the power of prayer, that bold prayer honors God and God honors bold prayer. But in the Old Testament, they didn't, they didn't just dab a little oil. Man, they poured it on. I, I remember when I was much younger, I was in a service one day. And it was a very charismatic church. And, and, and man, they, those people were going after Jesus. And, and they were worshiping. And, and, and they were having a time. And, and in the middle of that, the evangelist kind of looked over where I was sitting. And he pointed at me in, in front of everybody and just kind of called me out and said, I want to pray for you. And invited me to come up in front of everybody. So I, I walked up. And, and, and this evangelist, he, he looked at me and he said, do you mind if I obey God? What else are you going to say in that moment, right? Um, no, don't obey. No, yes, yeah, sure, I want you to obey God. Uh, I would encourage you from this point forward, you might want to say, could we talk about it first? Like, what did God say to you? And, and, and what, what the guy said was, the Lord, the Lord told me to anoint you with oil. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. Like, I've done that my whole life. And then he said, but I want to do it the Old Testament way. I didn't know what the Old Testament way was at that moment. And so I was like, sure, let's do it the Old Testament way. And so the guy grabs this thing of oil and turns it up over my head and just dumps it on my head. This is a true story. And the oil just ran down my face and down my back. And I had a really nice suit on, my favorite suit. It was like cobalt blue. I loved that suit. Marianne hated that suit. And so maybe she told him to do this. It ruined my suit. And, 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 and it was not a very spiritual experience. I'll just tell you that. I, I was more worried about the oil than I was what God was doing in my life. Um, but, but all throughout scripture, what do we see? We see that oil is symbolic of what? Holy Spirit. All throughout scripture, we see that. And so what I want you to see as we go in to worship, I want you to see what happens. We want to go into this holy place. We want to go into the most holy place. We want, to, we want to be in the presence of God, right? But here's what we do. We come into the sanctuary, and what do we do? We go to the altar. And the first thing we do is we make a decision to follow Jesus. Like, that's the most important decision you will ever make. We say it all the time. We exist to be lifelong followers of Jesus. We want to see people make a decision to follow him. And then what happens? People take that next step. I want to go public with my faith. And like I said, we're going to do that in a few weeks and we're going to celebrate big time. But then here's what some of us want to do. We want to bypass this next station and we want to try to go right into the presence of God. And I believe what happens is we often miss out on a gift that the Lord has for us. I think oftentimes we miss out on this empowerment of the Holy Spirit to really have this intimate relationship with Jesus. I think we miss out on it. And, and, and maybe some of you are here and you would say, man, I, I made a decision to follow Jesus, but I'm, I'm, I'm just really struggling. Like, I, I can't seem to find freedom. I, I can't seem to find that passion and hunger in my life that I really believe. Like, I still feel like there's something missing in my heart. And I would say, I believe you're missing out on this incredible relationship with the Holy Spirit. So how do I receive that gift? Let me give you just three quick things that you can write down. Here's the first thing. Just repent and believe. Like you make a decision to follow Jesus. 
I, I think we miss out on divine encounters because we are satisfied with what our minds can understand. And, and if we can't understand it, we can't wrap our minds around it, we can't put it in a little box, we just kind of push it over to the side and kind of forget about it. And so here's the second thing we need to do, is we need to ask Jesus to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We just need to pray, we need to ask Him. And then the third thing, just receive the gift of the Spirit by faith. I've heard people often say things like, man, I prayed and, and nothing happened. And my response is, is just, I, I don't think you can pray in faith and nothing happened. Something's happening in your life. And, and I think what happens is when we genuinely pray and we invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of our life to say, you know what, I, I, I'm not asking for more of God because I believe I have everything God has for me. What I'm saying is, God, I want to give you more of my own life. If we pray that prayer like seriously, there is no way in the world something can't happen. It starts a process. And I believe there's a process that many of you have started in your life and, and, and I can't wait to see what God does in your life. I, I remember a young lady that was, um, was in our youth ministry for years and, and, and she, she got older and, and, and became a, an adult. And um, I'll never forget one day my phone rang. I hadn't talked to her a while. Her name's Katie. And, uh, and Katie said, Pastor Anthony, I, I just have to share with you something that happened in my life. She said, I've just, I've been, I've been praying for more of, 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 of a hunger for, for the things of God in my life. And so I just started praying some bold prayers and asking God to do something in my life that I had never seen him do before. Now that's a pretty powerful prayer. But, but I would say to Katie and I would say to you, and, and, and I need to be reminded today um, that if you want to see God do something in your life he's never done before, it may require you doing something you've never done before. It may require you taking a step of boldness and faith that you've never been willing to take before. And maybe it was because of fear. Maybe it was because of misinformation. Maybe it was because you felt like you just had to be able to explain it and put it all together in a nice box with a pretty bow on it before you could take your step. I don't know, but if you want to see God move in your life like he's never moved, it's going to require you taking a step, maybe a faith that you've never taken before. And so Katie started praying these bold prayers. And she said, I was in this service and I expected something to happen in that moment. And she said, I walked away kind of disappointed. And she said, but I got home that night and I was laying in my bed and in the middle of the night, she said, I woke up and I sat straight up in the bed. And she said, and when I did, she said, I just began to cry. And she said, I felt such an incredible presence of the Holy Spirit come upon me in that moment in my bedroom all alone than I've ever felt in my entire life. She said, Pastor, I've never experienced God's presence that way in my life. That's what I'm talking about. I remember when I was on staff at a church and, and, and we had this, this auditorium and, and, and there was a, a lady who had come in and she was sitting kind of back here where, where Marcus and Mary Catherine are sitting. And after the service was over, the place just kind of emptied out. And, and somebody, one of the ushers came and found me. This, we had ushers. And, uh, and the ushers said, Pastor Anthony, there's, there's a lady and she's, she's, she's crying. Like she, she just is like weeping in there. Maybe you should go talk to her. I was like, maybe you should go talk to her. They're like, you're the pastor. I was like, cop out. You know, so I, I, I walk in there and, and, and anytime something like that happens, right, it's, it's, it's usually a bad thing. Like there's a problem in her life. There's something going on and, 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 and she, she has an issue. And so I go down and sit to try to help her with her issue. 
And I sat there and I said, ma'am, is there something that I can pray with you about? And she just looked up at me, y'all, and she had the most peaceful smile and countenance that I've ever seen. It was almost angelic. It was weird. And she said, no, sir. I, I, I don't have anything that I need you to pray with me about. She said, I just want you to know that I've just experienced God in a way that I've never experienced Him in my whole life. And she said, and I just don't want to leave. I don't want it to go away. And I looked at that lady, I said, it's not going anywhere. That's the Holy Spirit in your life. What am I saying? I'm saying there's something that God wants to do in your life that you could never dream of. You just got to open your heart. My daughter's home today. um, And I'm glad to have my baby girl home. And I always pick on that guy she brings home sometimes. I know, I give him a hard time with y'all. He sent me a text this morning. I'm going to share it with you. Uh, Pastor Anthony. It's 2.30 in the morning. In my prayer time today, I really felt the Lord say some things about your church. There are things that are about to happen at North Park in the hearts of people like you have never seen. This church will be a place where love and comfort is found for lost, as well as those who have been in church forever. Young and old will experience God intimately like they have never experienced Him before. It will be a place where God has allowed, it will be a place that has allowed the God of Jacob to become their stronghold. Simple obedience can change a generation. Thank you for saying yes to lead people that so desperately needed Jesus. I needed that this morning. I needed a reminder that he is doing exactly what he purposed in our hearts that he would do. And the great thing about it is I believe he's doing it through you. The question is how hungry are you to see God move? Would you stand with me right now? I'm going to ask T-Bone to help me out. T-Bone's behind the curtain today. And he's going to put a prayer on the screen for you. And I I want him to just leave that prayer up for a while. Because as we go through this time of response and prayer today, I want you to pray that prayer in your heart. If you want a hunger for God to move in your life, I I just encourage you to pray. Father, I desire to have everything you want to give me. I confess any sin that is separating us. I forgive anyone that I have held a grudge against. Why is that important? Because you will never grow closer in your relationship with God and receive the forgiveness that God has for you if you can't let go of a grudge or bitterness that you're holding in your heart against somebody else. And so if you really want freedom, if you really want God's grace, if you really want forgiveness, then you got to let go of whatever it is that you're holding to in order to receive what it is that God has for you. It's really hard to receive something from someone when you're holding so tightly to something else. And so for some of us, we've got to be willing to open our hands to receive what God has for us. And whatever it is that we're holding so tightly to, we've got to be willing to let it go. And I pray, God, I believe you give your spirit to anyone who asks. So today, I ask you to baptize me in your spirit. Fill every part of me 
so that I am flooded with your power and I surrender all that I am to you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray as some people respond to your word with a very bold prayer, I pray, God, that you would do something very unique and special in their life. Lord, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you love us enough to never leave us and never forsake us, but we be with us through everything that we face. And Lord, to, to, to allow that to happen, you've given us this incredible gift of your spirit. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be welcome in this place, in every heart, in every life. And I pray that there would be nothing that would hold us back from receiving what you want to do. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus as we respond today just in spirit and worship. Lord, I pray that you would do something very unique in this place today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. I want you to know that this altar is open for you. If you'd like to come and pray, there will be people here that would love the opportunity to pray for you. If you want to pray with someone that's close to you right where you are, that's fine.